the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at eight minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. On a Monday, the 20th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. we got a lot of very important work to do today. A lot of important subjects to talk about, a lot of decisions to make, and I welcome your input at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 all morning long. Just one guest on the books today, Jim Jordan, congressman, uh, will be joining me on uh, uh, at uh, 935, as he always does on this Monday, and we're going to talk about the January 6th latest. We're going to talk about recon being done by Adam Schiff's cronies and Stephen Colbert's employees in the Capitol building as they are presenting what they call evidence that recon was done ahead of the January 6th riot, which proves that it was, done, uh, proves that it was uh, intentional and an insurrection. The only difference is one of those is true and the other one is not. And I'll let you figure out which one is which. But we're going to talk to Jim Jordan about that coming up at 935 and a whole host of other things. So I welcome your thoughts. Again, 216 or online 
at alwaysright.us. Go to alwaysright.us and uh, click the sound off button and let us know what you have to say. You have a question, you have a comment, you have a thought you need to share, that you need responded to, by all means. Leave your message there. I will indeed answer and respond to those questions and those thoughts. Before we get started this morning, I would like to ask you to do what we always do. Please stand if you are a patriot. And if you are a listener of this show, I believe that you are. And put your uh, hand on hand over your heart and join us in our Pledge of Allegiance to start the show. If you are a believer in Bidenflation, if you are a believer that there is no recession coming, no, no, it's a robust economic recovery. If you are a believer in targeting and protesting and demonstrating outside of Supreme Court justices' homes again and threatening them again, well, then you don't know what that flag represents anyway. Go ahead and take uh, a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, my friends, um, first things first. Did you get your tickets yet for tomorrow? If you are not yet ready to join us for tomorrow, you better get those tickets, and you better get them quickly. VIP, doors open at 4.30 tomorrow. Uh, general admission at 6 o'clock. Music starts at 7. We're going to have a great 100th anniversary celebration celebrating the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio, fifth, uh, since, uh, and the 15th oldest radio station, rather, na- nationwide to still have its uh, signal going 100 years or more after their uh, origin. And that's when it was born. 1922, WHK was born, the oldest radio station in the state, and we celebrate that centennial birthday tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead. Get your tickets now if you didn't yet. WHKradio.com. WHKradio.com. All right, uh, I want to start with what I just kind of ended my uh, or my, my pledge intro with, and that is uh, what's going on at the homes of more and more uh, Supreme Court justices. The left, see, let, let's break this down into two parts. Number one, the left is what we expect them to be, violent, threatening, intimidating, and harassing. It's just what they do. They don't care about the law. They don't care about, about um, whom they harm. They don't care about anybody except for their own agendas. They are who we thought they would, would be. What's very, very frustrating is the fact that there is nobody doing anything about it at the federal level. Nancy Pelosi continues to refuse to condemn the protests outside of judges' homes. She refuses to condemn... Uh, the threat on the life of Brett Kavanaugh, and now the uh, the uh, disgusting, very very vulgar, and again intimidating displays outside the home of Amy Coney Barrett. That's where we are right now. Amy Coney Barrett, Supreme Court Justice, was subjected uh, over the weekend to a bunch of pro baby killers who gathered outside of her home in Virginia, holding signs demanding, quote, abortion on demand and without apology, having baby dolls taped to their wrists wrists, and fake blood splashed on their white clothing, particularly in between their legs. I don't know exactly what that was supposed to represent, to be truthful. I really don't, because that bloody mess that they were demonstrating uh, and then a baby doll on their wrists would, would indicate 
I, I, I think anyway, uh, the horrific thing that happens during an abortive procedure. They're trying to say that I guess that means just giving birth. I don't know, but I do know what it was intended to do. It was intended to intimidate Justice Amy Coney Barrett in the hopes of getting her to change her vote uh, on Roe versus Wade or technically on Dobbs in the Dobbs, Mississippi case that would have an impact on Roe versus Wade. But this is what they're doing. Rise Up for Abortion Rights is the name of the group that did this one, dressed in white with all that fake blood and everything else. Uh, they've had Ruth Sent Us, which is another reference to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, suggesting that the the uh, late uh, Supreme Court justice would be supportive of all of these uh, uh, these intimidation and harassing tactics. Uh, and then there was Shut Down D.C., which is another organization that tried to block traffic and shut down access to the Supreme Court building at all for anybody, including the justices, presumably staffers and workers, so that they can't go there and do their jobs. So they continue to demonstrate. They ratchet up the hate. They ratchet up the uh, vulgarity. And the left continues to stay silent about it. it it's really remarkable. They're silent about it, and nobody is holding them accountable for their silence. Nobody is saying, why isn't the president saying something to defend these uh, Supreme Court justices? They're one-third of the government. They're just as powerful as he is. Why hasn't Nancy Pelosi said somebody needs to protect the Supreme Court justices, and not just with the passage of the bill that she, by the way, held off for days should have been done with unanimous consent very easily very quickly but didn't why isn't she speaking out why isn't biden speaking out why aren't they doing more to protect these justices given what the threat that is made i understand they disagree and and what is what does the left say about this um well the other you know i think jen saki said it and i think kareen jean pierre said it too well they're very passionate and they're very angry about of roe versus Wade. oh okay well as long as they're passionate and angry if they're passionate and angry, well, then they can go ahead and threaten Supreme Court justices. They can go ahead and intimidate them. They can go ahead and protest outside their homes and make them and their families and their neighbors miserable. If As long as they're passionate and angry about it, I guess that, that makes it okay. Well, it doesn't make it okay. That passion that, that, and that anger was no doubt stirred up by Chuck Schumer. Now, I've been telling you this and replaying this for you for the better part of the last week, week and a half. You remember this from two years ago, right? I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Well, it's one thing for me to remind you of that. It's one thing for me to talk about and to condemn that. It's another thing for a United States senator like Ted Cruz to do it. And Ted Cruz, by the way, who was on Hannity, uh, made a point of saying that this is exactly what Chuck Schumer wanted to happen. You know, he didn't know when it would be, didn't know if it would be two years ago, if it would be six months after that, if it would be, uh, you know, as it turned out to be two years after that. But when Roe came up for discussion, this is exactly what he was hoping to foment. He was hoping to rally and and raise up the anger and the ire of the left to do something drastic, to reap the whirlwind, to make the left, or excuse me, the uh, uh, Supreme Court justices reap the whirlwind, pay the price, 
for these awful decisions if you do. Ted Cruz. Absolutely, yes. The Democrat Party today is the party of mob violence. They're the party. Schumer knew what he was saying when he said, you have unleashed the whirlwind. He was unleashing the radicals. You look at, 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 at this lawless, very likely left-wing law clerk who leaked the decision. The reason the decision was leaked was to allow threats and bullying to come at the justices. Listen, a week ago, we saw a Supreme Court justice, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, threatened and, and, and a man arrested for attempted murder. Why? Because the left-wing radicals knew where his home was, and the White House was encouraging those radicals to go to his home where they were threatening his children. It's been a week, and Joe Biden still has not condemned the attempted murder of a sitting Supreme Court justice. And let's be clear, why do they want to murder that Supreme Court justice? Because they're willing to essentially commit a revolution, an insurrection, to use their favorite term, against a a branch of government because they want to change the vote on a pending decision of the Supreme Court. It is shameless and, and it is also a violation of criminal law. The federal criminal law makes it a crime to go and protest at the home of a judge while he's considering a case and Merrick Garland has become perhaps the most political attorney general in the history of this country. He's willing to weaponize the Department of Justice and FBI to target parents as domestic terrorists, but he refuses to enforce the law against the people flagrantly violating the law. And Jen Psaki at the White House encourages people, go and protest at the justices' house. Let me ask you, Sean, in all of your years of watching and being involved in national politics, have you ever seen a White House press secretary from the White House urge Americans to commit a federal crime? Well, you have today. 18 U.S.C., 50, uh, United States Code, uh, 1507 is what uh, Ted Cruz is talking about there. It is indeed a crime to go outside the home of somebody involved in a trial, not just Supreme Court justices, but judges, period, attorneys, period, um, witnesses, period, and jurors, period. You can't, not just in the massive cases involving things like Rovers, you just can't do it, period. And yet they're doing it in this massive case, and nobody will do anything about it. The rule of law is dead when in the hands of Democrats. What he just said, what what uh, Ted Cruz just said, is spot on, is it not? When he said that this might be the most political attorney general in the United States history, and that's saying something because I'm old enough to remember Eric Holder. I'm old enough to remember Eric Holder pledging to be Barack Obama's wingman. As Attorney General of the United States, I'm old enough to remember Eric Holder weaponizing the uh, the IRS against conservative groups, as well as the FBI. And Merrick Garland might be worse. I think he is. There have been at least 24 cases so far of arson, vandalism. Arson and vandalism. Since the... Against... Uh, pro-life centers and churches against pro-life pregnancy centers where you don't go for abortions, but you go there for prenatal care to make sure that your child is healthy and that the birth is going to be a safe and uh, a healthy one. 24 cases against those centers and churches since the draft opinion was leaked, likely by a left-wing staff or a left-wing law, left-wing law clerk for, for, for one of the uh, uh, liberal justices. And they have been doing nothing about it. 
finally they confirmed last week that they're they're going to start investigating. This is at the end of the week. Uh, attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers. But there has been no outspoken language from the DOJ, no outspoken language from the leadership of Democrat politics for whom the pro-baby killers vote. That's just the way it is. The death panels vote for Democrats. That's just the reality of it. The people who go on TikTok and say, I'm going to try to get pregnant just so I can kill it. That's a TikTok. It's online. I've actually shared it on my Truth Social account. I'm going to get pregnant just so that I can have an abortion and kill a baby. This is their mindset. You know who they vote for, right? They vote for Democrats. Period. Not some of the time, all of the time. These individuals are dangerous, they are vile, and nobody is speaking out against them. They're leaders for whom they vote. Nancy Pelosi, you're not telling them to check themselves, step back. Joe Biden is not telling them to step back, stay away from their homes, make your voices heard in other ways, but stay away from the homes of the justices, you're violating the law. Why isn't Joe Biden, bing, 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 boom, boom, dialing his little phone and saying, hey, Merrick, my AG, Arrest people who who protest outside of their homes. Remember, it was Joe Biden who picked up his little phone and beep, 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 booped it and called Merrick Garland the moment he received their solicited complaint from the National School Boards Association about those parents who are going to school boards and being way too aggressive and too loud and too demanding on what they want done in our schools. Remember that? The National School Board Association sent a letter we found out after the fact although a lot of it, myself included, predicted that it was this way before we found out. But we had confirmation that they were solicited by the DOJ to write a letter complaining about these parents, send it to the president, so the president would send it to the DOJ, and the DOJ would have an excuse to crack down then on those parents. It took like two seconds for the letter to be received, forwarded to Garland, and Garland to act, calling those parents domestic terrorists. Well, why doesn't Joe beep-beep-boop his little phone now and call over to Merrick Garland and say, get the FBI out there arresting people right now outside of Amy Coney Barrett's home, outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home. I don't care if I disagree with what they're going to do on Roe versus Wade. We cannot sacrifice the law. We cannot sacrifice the safety of people. DOJ, which is a, which is the, the number one crime prevention arm in the country. I mean, it's it's the nation's police force. It is the criminal justice, you know, part of the equation. The DOJ needs to enforce the law and stop the criminality from taking place. Biden won't do it. Pelosi won't do it. Who's going to tell them to do what needs to be done before somebody's life is taken? They tried it on Brett Kavanaugh already. We'll find out if there's another attempt to come. And if you see and listen to the radicals, the extremists, that are, that are screaming about this, it's almost a guarantee that another attempt will be made. All right, 925, it's Always Right Radio, online at alwaysright.us, and on air on AM 1420, The Answer. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me 
a definition? My gender changes depending on the day or week or even depending on the hour. If you got three months in Facebook jail, who you gonna call? If your five-year-old girl identifies as male, who you gonna call? When you post pictures of your beautiful vacation or your healthy children or your lovely home and you write hashtag blessed, I ain't trying to be woke. You are offensive because you were not chosen as one of God's favorites. You were given opportunities that other people were not. I ain't trying to be woke. If the liberal mob tries to shut you down, who can you call? Because you forgot to use their preferred pronouns. Oh, who you gonna call? Whoa, busters! What are your preferred pronouns? Uh, Zazam. These are my pronouns. Mappa, Nini, Nopa, Nori. I ain't trying to be woke. Opa, Pere, Pong Pong, Zaza, Zizi, Trixic, Torque, Feminamork, Viramork, Allosexual. I ain't trying to be woke. If you've had enough of this freaky stuff, baby, you better call. Whoa, busters! If your American dream is too extreme, then call. Our genitals actually don't determine our gender. I ain't trying to be woke. Do you believe then that men can become pregnant? Yes. I ain't trying to be woke. Trans women are not a threat to women's sports. I ain't trying to be woke. Any male who claims not to be a misogynist is a misogynist. When a traffic statue replaces Chief Wahoo, you really need to call. When NBC sounds like the KGB, baby, think you better call. Whoa, busters! Ow, who you gonna call? Whoa, busters! Who you gonna call? Whoa, busters! I can't hear you. Who you gonna call? Whoa, busters! I think you better call. Whoa, busters! Who can you call? Ouch. Standing job by my folks. Dale Officer Johnny Hiles, Wokebusters indeed, Jim Jordan next. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. I certainly think the president is guilty of knowing what he did, seditious conspiracy, being involved in these, you know, kind of different segments of pressuring DOJ, vice president, et cetera. Obviously, you know, we're not a criminal uh, charges committee, so I want to be careful in specifically using that language. But I think what we're presenting before the American people certainly would rise to a level of criminal involvement by a president. That's one of the Republicans. <laughs> That's one of the two Republicans on the 7 to 2 Democrat to Republican ratio bipartisan nine member January 6th investigative committee. How about that? The select committee. Uh, that's Adam Kinzinger. Of course, their R's after they name, their names mean absolutely nothing. These are nine federal prosecutors trying to stop Donald Trump from running for president again. Make no mistake about that. Let's find out what Congressman Jim Jordan has to say. He was supposed to be on that committee, Congressman Jordan was, but he got booted by Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Hope you had a good Father's Day weekend. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. This the, the, Their whole goal, we talked about this many times, their whole goal is to 
try to stop President Trump from running. I don't think they're going to be successful. I think he's going to run, and as I've said many times, I think he's going to win. Well, Congressman, first of all, thank you uh, for the for the gesture, and I hope you had a great Father's Day weekend as well. Yep. You know, it still frustrates me when I see Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger up there professing to be conservative Republicans, but who are just so dedicated and devoted to the flag and to democracy that they're willing to uh, to tell the truth about their president that uh, broke the law and did all of these terrible things. They weren't even supposed to be there. You and Jim Banks were not allowed to be on that committee. Why? And I know I've asked you this in the past, but for those who haven't heard the answer, why do you suppose that was? What were you? And Mr. Banks uh, going to do, Congressman Banks going to do on that committee that uh, terrified the living daylights out of Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democrats? Provide real cross-examination like every other committee in the history of Congress always has. Every committee. First time in history the, the minority leader was not allowed to place on the select committee individuals he had selected. Even the standing committee that we have every Congress, there's always minority representation there, and you're always at a hearing allowed to, ha- allowed to cross-examine witnesses. And frankly, when you do an investigation, I mean, I've probably been involved in more investigations than any member of Congress over the last decade, because I'm on the Oversight Committee, I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the Judiciary Committee, I was on the, the Intel Committee when, the, when, when the, 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 they shifted the impeachment, I was on the Benghazi Select Committee. So you always get a chance to see the evidence, to look at the documents, and then, and then in the public hearings have cross-examination. That's not available here. And it's a one-sided kind of infomercial kind of presentation. And even with all that, even with all that, uh, I, don't, I don't think we've learned anything new, and I don't think the American people are that engaged with what, what, what this committee is bringing forward. Well, you mentioned the name Schiff. Uh, let, let's talk about Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, for the duration of the Mueller investigation, declared we have evidence in plain sight. There's <laughs> evidence of the collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign. We know that he colluded with this foreign body to, uh, to taint the election, etc. Well, the same guy, Adam Schiff, now on this committee says... Do you have evidence that the former president himself was involved? Uh, yes, we'll show evidence of the president's involvement uh, in this scheme. Just to be clear, you said you have evidence that the then president was involved in putting a fake slate of electors out there. Do you do you have evidence that he directed it? Um, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of our hearing. We'll show during a hearing what the president's role was in trying to get states to uh, name alternate slates of electors, how... Uh, that scheme depended uh, initially on hopes that the legislatures would re- reconvene and bless it. Will we see that he... Con- Congressman Jordan, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like a bad movie that we're, ha- we're forced to watch again. He continues yeah. to claim there's evidence. It's evidence. Not saying we suspect or we're investigating or we're trying to find out. I have evidence. He still hasn't, and this is 2022 now, he still hasn't come, uh, come forward with the quote-unquote evidence he had during the, uh, during the uh, Mueller, uh, Mueller investigation and those, in that impeachment. So uh, why should we take him any more seriously this time around? Well, I don't think people are because, you know, the only thing you needed to add to this statement has been just like uh, we have more than circumstantial evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. Remember, he gave us that line forever. So this sounds a lot like like that. And frankly, the only thing we do know is this committee is, has has misled us and and lied to us now on multiple cases. Think about this. L- l- last last week, we learned they falsely accuse a colleague of ours, Barry Laubermilk, a Republican from Georgia, of doing a reconnaissance tour so Mr. Laubermilk and a colleague of his, Mr. Davis, who's the top Republican on the House Administration Committee, asked the Capitol Hill police chief to do an investigation. They do an investigation, and last Wednesday they come back, and here's what this letter said, the last two sentences. There is no evidence, emphasize that, there is no evidence that Representative Laubermilk entered the U.S. Capitol with this group on January 5th, 2021. Second sentence, we train our officers on being alert for people conducting surveillance or reconnaissance, and we do not consider any 
of the activities we observed as suspicious. So, so Bob, that is as, as a complete exoneration as you can get. And what does Schiff and the January 6th and Cheney and all of them say on the January 6th? Oh, we're still not convinced. We still think he was involved in a reconnaissance mission. He's like, the people who investigated looked at it all and said there's nothing there. That is how – so with the limited amount of evidence we're allowed to see, we have now caught them in two major – just, just lies. They, they lied about my text message, misrepresented, changed the punctuation, ship presented to the uh, to the country as if it was from 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 a member of Congress when it wasn't. And then we have this. Imagine all the other things they're misleading us on that we have no way of proving because we don't get to see the documents and we don't get to participate. That's how bad this committee is. We are talking with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. He is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. That is spot on. And since we're talking about reconnaissance tours, can you explain to us what in the world is going on with uh, Stephen Colbert's employees <laughs> being given access, un- unescorted, un- you know, uh, yeah. access to go ahead in, in, to the Capitol and to, into Republican offices? What happened? Uh, well, so, uh, supposedly uh, some, some Democrat staffers, let these people in after. So they've been in, I guess, the story I've, I've, I've heard is they've been in the, in the Capitol complex area talking with Democrat members, and then uh, they were done with that, and then someone lets them back into the Capitol complex. They, they get kicked out because then they're, they're out, they're walking around filming. They get kicked out. Someone lets them back in. Our understanding is it's been, it was uh, people who work for Adam Schiff. We don't know for sure, but that's what we've been told. And um, they're back in, and they're filming at Mr. McCarthy's office, a couple of our other colleagues' office. They're filming outside our office is what we've been told, and they get arrested because they're not supposed to be there. And so, of course, the, the, the irony here is the very people who are falsely accusing Barry Laubermilk and Republicans of doing reconnaissance tours are actually ha- are letting in a camera crew to go film at people's offices in violation of, of the rules of the House and get arrested for doing so. Wow, that is astounding. Talk about hypocrisy at its uh, at its worst. There it is. Congressman, the good news, I suppose, about all of this is, according to the number that I heard, only 9% of Americans are watching or paying attention to the these uh, January 6th hearings closely, I think was the wording of the of the survey. 9%. People don't care. Yeah. You know what people do care about? Their gas prices, their milk prices, their, yeah, their, yeah. their parts. I mean, every store's uh, uh, inflationary prices and so on. And Jenny Yellen and um, uh, the uh, uh, president's economic advisors all went on the Sunday talk shows yesterday to, to to give the same message, that recession is not inevitable, that Biden's robust recovery will continue and that a recession is not inevitable. How can we not sink into, into a recession, given that there is no well, insight to the inflationary prices we just talked about? I, I mean, I, I certainly hope we don't go into a recession, and, and I know you do, too, and, and none of us want to go there. It's not, not good for our country. It's not terrible good for, for everyone, yeah. But... We, we, we certainly don't want to go there, um, but I, I, it, it sure looks like that's where we're headed. And, and the smart folks I talk to, I mean, uh, they, they, I mean, smart economist type folks we talk to, that, that they tell us it, it, it sure looks like, unfortunately, that's where we are going to wind up. And, uh, again, I hope not. But when you do the things they do, when you spend like crazy, when you pay people not to work, and when you drive up the cost of energy, I mean, I, I thought it was shocking. I think it was three weeks ago when, when Janet Yellen said that um, – Oh, oh I, I'm, I'm surprised at the level of inflation. How can you be? You spent like crazy, you pay people not to work, and you drove up the cost of energy across the board. That, that, that's going to drive up price. And then you couple that with <clears throat> the supply chain concerns that have happened over the, over the uh, last year. Um, but I hope we can avoid it. Let's, um, l- we'll see. Uh, it, it just, it, one of the things I said to someone the other day is, you, you know, the old, the old adage, never hurts to have smart people in charge. And you think about this administration compared to what we had in the Trump administration. Um, 
and, and you, you, I mean, you can start with the president. I mean, it seems like Joe Biden forgets everything. Don, president Trump was, is as sharp as could be. I visited with him last uh, last Friday down in in, in uh, Tennessee. Uh, and then you look at like a guy like Mike Pompeo versus Tony Blinken. You look at Steve Mnuchin versus Janet Yellen. Like President Trump had smart people in these positions who were principled in fighting for the policies that President Trump campaigned on when he when he ran for the job. And that's it's such a difference. And I think unfortunately we're seeing up. Seeing that all play out here. Well, you're 100% right. And, and just to clarify, of course, we don't wish for a recession, but I am not talking yeah. about wishing anymore. I'm talking about being, no. being, being, no, being you know, yeah. being, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about being honest and being, uh, you know, intelligent about this. And the, rea- the reality is that this, the same woman, uh, you just mentioned Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, said this is going to be just transitory. This inflation said, now said, oh, I probably shouldn't use that word. <laughs> There is no plan, not 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 like a, a distant plan or a short-term plan. There is no plan whatsoever to stop the rising energy costs. Right. There is no plan to stop the inflation that we are seeing right now. It is impossible that there won't be a recession. So I'm not, of well, course, wishful of this. Well, I am well, just realistic about this. And, Bob, remember when, remember when President Biden said, oh, if we spend more money, if we pass the bill back better, it will help inflation. And oh. you're thinking, like, there is not a... There is not a rational person on the planet. There's not anyone with common sense who believes that. But the president of the United States is saying uh, that that ridiculous statement. So, yeah, th- this is what is just so frustrating, I think, for the, for the country. And now, of course, every time you drive by and you see the sign $5 gas, or more importantly, when you pull in and have to fill up your car at five oh nine a gallon, that's what drives Americans crazy and well it should. Um. I want to talk about, speaking of misery, um, uh, last week I read a short interview with some of the neighbors of uh, Justice Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh and the frustrations that they have in dealing with some of the horrific things that are being done outside his home. Of course, we know uh, that he was threatened with his life and that uh, an attempted murder charge has been filed. Now this weekend it was Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. While there was no threat uh, and no violence, um, they were out there just they are increasing the intimidation, the harassment, the vulgarity yep. of their protests and their demonstrations. You know, I know. 18 U.S. Code 1507 says you cannot do this. Why? Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, is the Department of Justice not doing anything to enforce the laws here? Same reason they let in the summer of 2020, they let people just attack our police officers. They they they, they uh, uh, didn't. They, they called rioters and looters peaceful protests. Same reason. There's always a double standard with these folks. Um, you know, th- th- think about I was on the House floor debating this last week with the Democrats because they, they waited all. They waited six weeks before they passed this bill to give protection to the families of Supreme Court justices. Um, and one of the, the one of the Democrats on the House floor accused Republicans of talking points. And I'm like, I, I lost it because it is talking points. They're pu- they're putting the address of where Justice Barrett's kids go to school. They're putting the address and and protesting at their church where their family attends church. And and you guys are calling this you're calling this a talking point. Like this is how out of touch the left is, and how frankly mean they are when it comes to going after their political opponents. We saw it the summer of 2020. We're seeing it now, and this double standard from uh, from from the left is is it, it you see it all the time now. You really do, uh, Congressman, and it's very frustrating, and that hypocrisy and that double standard is uh, is disgusting. And if you want to point out those double standards online, now you're going to have to go through Kamala. Uh, I want to just get your thoughts on this. Kamala Harris, it was announced back on Friday, I think it was Friday, uh, that she's going to be heading up the new online harassment 
Task Force, um, which, as I can understand it, is just nothing more than repackaging the disinformation yep, yep. governance board that Nina Jankowicz, they, they abandoned because of the horrific optics of that. This is another attempt to censor dissenting views of the American people. Isn't she supposed to be trying to protect our southern border? And now she's yeah. going to protect uh, people against online harassment. Yeah, I think there's two points here. One is the point you just made there is that, you know, here's Kamala Harris getting assigned something else that, you know, she's not going to do. It's probably good that she doesn't do this because this is right. this is chilling uh, First Amendment free speech. But this is how the left operates. You know, we've discussed this. Uh, you don't if you don't agree with today's left, uh, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, they're going to call you a racist and they're going to try to cancel you. It takes different forms. Uh you know, we saw it in, during the right in the run up to the election when if you if you said the Hunter Biden story was true, you got canceled. The New York Post got locked out of its account, and it turns out everything they said was was accurate. Uh, if you if you before that, if you disagreed with the whole Trump Russia collusion, like some of us did, four of us got shadow banned. Mr. Meadows, Mr. Gates, Mr. Nunes, and myself got shadow banned uh, by 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 the, the 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 big tech. So understand the pattern: is the left lies about us, the the media reports it. Big tech amplifies it, and then if you try to say the truth, they come at you and get you for and, and, and say you're you're spreading disinformation. That is the pattern, and it is time and time again. And, and, and now the good news is we're we're on to them. We know how the game they play, so you just got to point it out every single time. And when you do, that's what that, that's when they decide to oh we're going to put the disinformation governance board on hold now. But that is the pattern. They lie. The media reports it. Big tech amplifies it. When you tell the truth, they come after you. But we got to keep telling the truth. That is step by step exactly how they do it, and that's what we have to do to counter it. You're right. Is is tell the truth. Last thing for you, Congressman, before you go, if you could, um, FINA, which is the governing body of the swimming world, apparently voted yesterday. It was announced to restrict the participation of transgender athletes. In other words, men who want to compete against women, like Leah Thomas. You and I yeah. talked about this. Uh, uh, the uh, swimmer from uh, Penn who won uh, a national championship after being just a complete also ran in the in the males competition. Anyway, they decided. Decided that um, you cannot compete against women if you are a trans, if you are a biological born male, unless you transitioned by the age of twelve. Some are celebrating this as a victory for for women's sports, and to the extent that Leah Thomas can't go into the Olympics now and dominate against other against real women, isn't this dangerous? Because isn't this now encouraging adults to transition their young, confused kids before twelve to make sure that they can later on go out, go out, go on to pursue their dreams? Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. It's 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 there's that concern that you point out, and then there, of course there's the good news that at least <clears throat> at least women uh, aren't going to have to compete against uh, as you as you point out, Leah Thomas. Uh, this is just ridiculous, and folks with common sense have known this is ridiculous from day one. I remember when, uh, when we were talking in the office. You know, remember when they were asking everyone what, what's the definition of a, of a woman, and and, and uh, uh, we, we were saying, well, we we all know what a woman is, and it's not Leah Thomas, right? I mean, that that's pretty basic. To figure it, but all oh, the left gets all turned around themselves when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, you, you know, the, the good Lord made us male and female. Let's 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 understand that and let's let guys compete against guys and girls compete against girls like it's supposed to be. And you know, I, I appreciate some of the people like uh, the great tennis player Navratilova who's who's speaking out against this and saying like this is ridiculous when you're going, when you're letting when you're letting men compete against women. That is not fair, and everyone understands it. So. Um, I guess we celebrate the, the good part of this uh, this move that at least uh, at least the women are going to be able to compete against uh, yeah. women. 
Short term, so maybe maybe it'll be a, a progressive situation. Pardon that word, by the way. But maybe it will start here and then progress a little bit later on to maybe getting it to just males against males and females against females, how they were born, and that's it. But we'll take it one step at a time if we if that that's what okay. we have to do. Congressman Jordan, thank you for coming on. We certainly appreciate it as always. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you next week. All right, there Thanks, you go, Bob, take Jim, care. Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah, there's some good with this bill. There's some bad. Or not bill, rather. It's not a bill. This isn't congressional. This is the body, uh, the FINA, the governing body of the World Swimming Organizations. They have made this decision. There's some good short-term, but there's some bad long-term. And we'll talk more about that as we continue. It's 955 Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. AM 1420. The answer. And Always Right Radio is on air and online at alwaysright.us. Alwaysright.us. Make sure you check it out. Uh, newly added to Always alwaysright.us, in addition to the uh, top news stories of the morning, conservative news and views, so that you can get a handle on what's really going on rather than uh, listening to the lying, deceitful enemy of the people known as the legacy mainstream media. Uh, in addition to those, you will now find uh, Wokebusters, our uh, tremendous new parody, outstanding job by Dale Officer, who's our creative services director, Johnny Hiles, who's our voice for hire, also happens to be a tremendous radio producer, uh, in, in, in addition to being a great singer. That's just phenomenal stuff. If you missed it in the first hour, I'll play it again. I'll probably wear it out. <laughs> I'll probably wear it out on live radio, uh, but you can listen to it, you can download it, you can share it. It's just good fun, and it's it's kind of real. It's real as well. It's at alwaysright.us. It's right at the top of the page, Wokebusters, uh, right at the top at alwaysright.us. So I opened up my Sunday uh, newspaper yesterday and saw this. Uh, it's a local newspaper, but all they do is essentially rerun the Washington Post. That's this. This is how they do it. It's it's pointless, uh, really, uh, but that's what they do. They rerun headlines and stories from the Washington Post. And this particular headline was troubling to me. You probably have been paying attention to this already. Um, new shots, uh, new 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 shots. I will not call them vaccines. I've been I've resisted calling them back vaccines, other than in a moment of just you know in in a hurry. Uh, and in quickness, uh, I've resisted, other than that, uh, calling them vaccines. So the shots, profit jabs, whatever it is you want to say. Headline is, shots for babies as soon as next week. And again, the byline is Washington Post. More than a year and a half after the oldest Americans gained access to coronavirus vaccine, the nation's youngest residents are poised to start getting shots next week, a move made possible when federal regulators Friday authorized vaccines for children as young as six months of age for many parents and pediatricians the food and drug administration clearing of two vaccines one by moderna and the other by pfizer and its partner german partner biontech comes as a huge relief friday's emergency use authorizations arrived two days after a panel of external advisors unanimously recommended that the agency green light vaccines 
for the last age group eligible for a shot of protection against the virus. Now, I probably shouldn't have to tell you why this is so repugnant and why this is so disgusting. But just in case, um, I will tell you. Children, according to studies, and I'm talking about young children in particular, talking about infants, according to studies, after studies, after studies, are at no statistical threat at all from COVID-19 or any of its variants or any of the sub-variants. None. There is, however, evidence of serious harm being done to children and young people by these vaccines, even older than the six-month-of-age, infant age, that they are now uh, pushing these shots on, on, on children for. In other words, there is no benefit whatsoever because there is no threat to this age group whatsoever. There is a potential for very serious harm in this age group, and they greenlit it anyway, again, under emergency use, use authorization. And I'm going to say this now because we have seen it play out before already. The fact that there is no criminal liability or civil liability for these manufacturers, once these uh, products of theirs, whatever you want to call them, once these products of theirs are given uh, emergency authorization use, nobody can be held accountable if your baby gets seriously sick or dies. And the fact of the matter is, one of those two things is absolutely possible. Because we've seen it in other children. Which is why I begged people when I posted the story on my on my social media, on uh, on uh, Truth Social, which if you, if you don't have an account on Truth Social yet, you should. Uh, because it's just, a, you know, we're not being censored there, at least. I, I've heard some stories, but I don't want to get into the weeds there. Uh, but it's been very, very good for me. Uh, I quit Twitter. I am on a huge hiatus from Facebook, self-imposed. Haven't been put in Facebook jail, uh, but I'm just so tired of it. It's so toxic. It's so bad. It's so it's so um, rife with censorship. Truth Social is the way that I go now. But on Truth Social, I, my, my headline, or after I posted the story, rather, I just said, "Parents, please do not poison your children. Please do not poison your babies, because that's exactly what's going to happen here." When I say poison, I mean that in the literal sense of the world word, because this is this is you know the toxins that are in these experimental shots that were you know de- deadly in many cases and seriously seriously compromising health in adults in other cases will be on steroids, if you will, when it comes to uh, when it comes to infants. I-, I-, I can't I can't call it anything other than what it is, and I'm calling it poison. Now, that's my description, and I'm not a doctor, so take that for what it's worth. But I believe VAERS reporting systems. I believe actual mRNA doctors, like Dr. Robert Malone, who have described these uh, these products that were created by these companies who have no liability whatsoever if they're not healthy for people and for infants. None. And I... Reading all of the evidence, studying, listening to the experts, and so on and so forth, this is what I believe. I believe this is poison. Parents, do not poison your children with these products. Many parents, caregivers, and clinicians have been waiting for a vaccine for their children, and this action will help protect those down to six months of age, said FDA Commissioner Robert M. Califf. 
In a statement, as we have seen with older age groups, we expect the vaccines for younger children will provide protection from the most severe outcomes of COVID-19, such as hospitalization and death. Period. End quote. And I would say to FDA Commissioner Robert Califf, you, sir, are a liar. You are a liar. First of all, stop calling these vaccines. These are not vaccines. Vaccines provide immunity. Vaccines provide an immunization against infection. These are, if they are anything positive, and I don't know how much there is, if there is anything positive to say about these, these might be considered treatments that limit the infection and its effects. And that's a big might because we have seen many, many people take these vaccinations, or I'm sorry, take these shots. Not only did it not protect them or immunize them from infection, it didn't help them with their symptoms either. In fact, many people were made much, much sicker by them. So stop lying and telling half the story because you and the FDA and the rest of this cabal is in bed with Big Pharma and you are splitting up the billions amongst yourself, yourselves. The Washington Post goes on. The vaccines for young children, a group that uh, that numbers at least 19 million, arrive at a critical moment in the nation's quest to vanquish the virus. And again, I just have to say, stop lying. Even the nation's number one science hack, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he's a hack, has said this is going to be endemic. It is always going to be here, like flu. Flu kills thousands of people every year. This is going to be something that's here. People can choose flu shots or not, but don't try to tell us this is going to vanquish the virus any more than you can vanquish the flu. You cannot. With vaccination levels overall flagging, even as COVID-19 hospitalizations reach their highest average level in more than three months, again, bogus. Bogus. I want proof. And they cannot and will not offer proof that people going in with flu-like symptoms are there because they have COVID. Because the COVID-19, especially the, the, um, uh, especially the uh, variants and the subvariants, pro- produce nothing more than flu-like symptoms, including in Dr. Anthony Fraudchi himself. Remember, mister, I've taken four of these so-called vaccinations. I've, taken, I've worn two masks everywhere I go. Still got sick. And then claims... Thankfully, I had four vaccinations, otherwise it would have been a lot more serious. Bogus. I think Americans are just over this now. They're tired of the lies. They're tired of the fear-mongering. They're tired of the pseudoscience. And I'll tell you this, if you're a parent of of an infant child and you line your kid up to jab them, not just once, by the way, it's going to take two of the Pfizer, and I think it's three of the Moderna. You line them up for those multiple shots, to put these poisons in their arm, knowing full well what's going on in this country, knowing how many young, healthy children are collapsing and young, healthy adolescents and young adults collapsing with cardiac events when they never had a hint of cardiac issues before in their lives. When you see this happening to young people, you're going to put this into the arms and into the, into the bloodstreams, into the cells of your infants? Many parents with babies and young children see the shots as critical to resuming their pre-pandemic lives. Only idiots see it that way. 
I challenge you, Mom, Dad, I challenge you to call me and justify putting your infant at six months of age in jeopardy with an experimental toxin that hasn't even been given full FDA approval. Not that that matters, because it doesn't. The FDA has gotten it wrong before. But this is not even full approval. This is emergency use authorization. What is the emergency in your baby? You've got a six-month-old baby who is happy and healthy and giggling, probably a little hungry, because you can't feed it, because there's no formula, thanks to the Biden administration. But outside of a little hunger... What what emergency is there to put this toxin, this experimental toxin, into your baby's arm or leg to, fi- to, to find out what happens? Where's the emergency? You tell me that. Why is it critical? Some parents say they intend to get their children vaccinated as soon as possible. Again, I, I, I won't shout idiots. It's, it's, a little, it's a little too weak, to be honest with you. I think these are, I think these are neglectful parents. You're neglectful if you do this. You are guilty of putting your child in harm, in harm's way, rather. If you do this, you are neglecting the health of your child, putting a healthy child in front of a doctor to put an experimental toxin into their body and then wait to see what happens is neglect. It's almost, it almost should be actionable. Their first opportunity, writes the Post, if all goes as expected, will be early next week. Following what are expected to be favorable recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Saturday, advisors to the CDC began meeting Friday to discuss the vaccines, and away we go. Mom, Dad, you got a child, you got an infant, I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945, do you plan on getting your child, your infant child, these vaccines? These, I'm sorry, there's the wrong word again. These experimental toxins. These profit shots. Do you plan on putting more billions into the pockets of Pfizer, which is an absolute domestic terrorist organization, as is Moderna, as is Johnson? If you plan on putting those into your kids' arms, and if you don't, I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945, Right back on Always Right Radio. Ten twenty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer: COVID shots for infants now given emergency authorization by the FDA. Doctor Peter McCullough is a cardiologist. He was on Fox News answering the question: What does this mean for infants? Is this safe for infants? Is this necessary for infants? Uh, Doc, is this really necessary? I mean, we, we, you know, we know COVID's serious. So I get that, but the the effects on kids are far different than the effects on the elderly. It's true. Uh, It's characteristically a mild syndrome in children, so they're not medically necessary nor clinically indicated. We have two failed real-world studies in kids aged 12 to 17, one by Dora Bawilla, the other by Fleming Dutra, published in JAMA. So we know even if they're used in kids, there won't be any differences in rates of COVID-19 serious outcomes. There's no reductions in hospitalizations and deaths in the randomized trials. And, Dan, we have no assurances that these are safe over the long term. No assurances that these are safe over the long term. None. And also no indications, no risk for young children under the age of five. None. Why would you do this if there is no risk? If there is an epidemic 
right now of five-year-olds and four-year-olds and three-year-olds and two-year-olds and one-year-olds and six-month-year-old babies who are getting COVID and suffering severe uh, symptoms, being hospitalized, dying, then maybe you issue an emergency authorization for something that might be able to help them. This is not happening. It's not happening. There is no indication whatsoever that this is harming children under five, and yet here we go. This is, again, nothing more than a massive profit grab by these corporations in bed with their benefactors in the federal government through the CDC and the FDA. It is reprehensible. If you're taking your kids to get those shots and you have no earthly idea what it's going to do to them, you are a neglectful parent. You need to wise up. Start taking care of what is right for your kid and stop listening to the propaganda. And this is a propaganda machine that the CDC has with complete compliance by A, the mainstream and legacy media, and B, the social media platforms. They have a complete monopoly on the conversation. That's propaganda. Tanya's in Akron. Tanya, thanks for waiting here on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Happy Juneteenth. Uh, it's crazy that the same parents that you're going to give a six-month-old a shot you know nothing about, but you won't give them regular food. I would rather give – it's, it's bewildering me what parents are allowing talking heads to do to their children. We're sending them to a school where they're teaching them sex and when they're two and three years old, when they don't know anything about sex, and then we're giving them a jab that doesn't even work. No. I can see if it was working, but it doesn't work. And only people that are dying are people who are older and who have comorbidity. And the food that we're allowing our kids to eat in school are killing them more than COVID will ever do it. I just don't get it. Just the idiocy of what it takes to be a parent now. Well, I'll tell you what, Tanya, I completely concur. Um, they, they have, and thank you for the call. These, this virus, first of all, as you correctly point out, is only seriously lethal when, in terms of high uh, uh, mortality rate in senior citizens, as we know, in people with, with serious comorbidities, people with serious underlying health concerns. People who are younger, and the younger you go, the less impacted they are, by the way. And I'm talking about people from the elderly back into the upper middle ages to middle ages to you know millennial ages to, to adolescent, youth and adolescents. It gets better and better and better the younger you go. Now they want to jab these things into these little babies. And parents are lining up to do it because they've been victimized by the propaganda for things that are literally 0.00000, and I could just do a few zeros here more because I don't have the exact number of zeros, but 0000%, uh, 1% of a chance that COVID may actually have an impact on these little babies. And if you think that that's worth rolling the dice and putting an untested experimental toxin into their body, then again, I'm just going to say it. I think you're either an idiot or you're uninformed or you are just completely neglectful as a victim of government propaganda. 10.30 News Time. Come right back. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right radio. Right back.
I was on the House floor debating this last week with Democrats because they, they waited all. They waited six weeks before they passed this bill to give protection to the families of Supreme Court justices. Um, and one of the, the ones the Democrats on the House floor accused Republicans of talking points. And I'm like, I, I lost it because it is talking points. They're, pu- they're putting the address of where Justice Barrett's kids go to school. They're putting the address in, and protesting at their church where their family attends church. And, and you guys are calling this, you're calling this a talking point? Like, this is how out of touch the left is and how, frankly, mean they are when it comes to going after their political opponents. We saw it the summer of 2020. We're seeing it now. And this double standard from, uh, from, from the left is, is it, it, you see it all the time. Always right radio on the answer. There would be no standard on the left if it weren't for double standards. It's true. I mean, what what Jim Jordan said earlier in the program, if you missed that interview, by the way, you can listen to it. It's on the uh, podcast page at whkradio.com, and it's on my page, whk, or excuse me, alwaysright.us, which links to the podcast page. So check that out if you missed the uh, the conversation. Uh, but he's right, and there would be no standards if there weren't double standards, and this is exactly what they do. They are ensuring, and this is what Chuck Schumer wanted. This is exactly what Chuck Schumer wanted, that they, that they ensure that the uh, Supreme Court justices, who may vote in a way with which they disagree, uh, that they are harassed intimidated, and intimidated into holding back those votes. And so far, this announcement of their decision on Dobbs in Mississippi, which could roll back Roe versus Wade and the federal protection thereof, should have been released already. There's no doubt that the intimidation tactics are working. They're holding them back. And that's a huge problem. Listen to that whole interview with Jim Jordan uh, in just a bit. I uh, want to remind you, don't forget about Harry Buffalo and tomorrow are massive uh, and I really, really expect it to be massive. It's going to be such a fantastic event uh, in uh, at Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead on Great Northern Boulevard. Our 100th anniversary special. Uh, some are calling it anniversary. I think it's a birthday. You know, we were born in 1922. That's when WHK first flipped on its signal in 1922. So that's the birth of the station. So now it's 100 years old. It's the oldest station in Ohio. First station in the uh, uh, to bring the Beatles to Cleveland. The first station to do so many things. The heritage um, that you know that is present in this uh, in this station's history is simply incredible. And we're going to celebrate it all. So tomorrow, uh, if you don't have your tickets yet, you better get them. You better get them, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. I'll be there. Tom Kelly will be there. Some of our other hosts will be there, substitute hosts, like Rob Walgate and Khalid Namar. Uh, they're going to be there. Uh, Pastor Jeff Toring is going to be there. Um, Johnny our, our, and my entire staff is going to be there. Johnny and Marcy and Marianne and uh, hopefully Dale will be there as well. I mean, it's just going to be a great, great time. Uh, tomorrow. So there's going to be, again, if you hold a VIP pass, you're going to get to be a part of a whiskey tasting flight. You're going to have, uh, cigars. You're going to have special menu. You're going to have, uh, special access to the, uh, to the, uh, patio area. Uh, it really is going to be just tremendous. And if you have a regular ticket, you're going to get a great deal too, because you're going to get a buffet meal with that. The buffet, that means go fill up, um, and two drink tickets as well. All of that's available and all of the information is online right now at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Now, I want to, uh, pivot just a little bit here from the subject of the, uh, shots for the babies to the subject of the leadership of this country. <clears throat> While the the left is trying very, very hard to figure out whether or not Joe Biden should run again, 
and Joe Biden has said he intends to run again, there is a significant pushback by a lot of the Democrats, by, by a, a large portion of the party that says, we're not sure if we back that, including AOC. For all of her idiot, idiocy, ADC, as I call her, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, uh, for all of her ignorance, she does have a popularity. She does have a, an appeal, and there are a lot of people who will listen to her. She refuses to support Joe Biden, at least at this moment in time, for re-election in 2024. Uh, a survey done of Democratic senators, of which there are 50, revealed only five confirmed absolutely Joe Biden should run again and we support him. Five out of 50. The others were varying levels of, of hesitancy, right? So that's going on on the Democrat side. But what about on our side? What about on the conservative side? And I prefer that to the quote-unquote Republican side because there are some Republicans who don't uh, who aren't worthy of being called Republicans. They're truly Democrats. But what about on the conservative side? There's an article in New York Post this morning by Piers Morgan, who is now the host of Uncens- Uncensored on Fox, uh, Fox Nation. And Piers Morgan has known Donald Trump for many, many years. They're friendly, even though they had a pretty contentious interview just uh, a couple of weeks ago. But they're friendly. And Piers Morgan has written for the New York Post, Memo to Republicans, it's time to dump the Donald and run with the Ronald. He believes that the Republican Party would be best served and the conservative movement would be best served by dumping Donald Trump or not supporting him for another run and getting behind the extremely popular and extremely populist um, Ron DeSantis. He writes, the once omnipotent GOP beast bestriding the American political world like a paw-crunching King Kong is now seeing his stranglehold over the party ebb away faster than the infamous gorilla tumbled to his demise from the Empire State Building after being shot by U.S. Navy jets. And the same foe is proving to be the deadly weapon again now in the form of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a U.S. Navy war hero who advised SEAL Team commanders in Iraq and who still serves with the U.S. Navy Reserve. If you were scripting, writes Piers Morgan, a perfect Republican presidential candidate, the list of preferred requirements would read something like DeSantis's resume. He's a man from humble beginnings, raised in Dunedin, Florida, by working-class parents. He was bright, very, very attentive. D. Centenaro, his first-grade teacher, told the Miami Herald, I knew he would do his work, I knew he would pay attention, I knew I could trust him. Then he went on to graduate with honors from both Yale and Harvard Law. He was captain of Yale's baseball team, had the best batting average. He's a great captain, teammate Kyle Cousin, said of DeSantis at the time. He helps everybody out, a true leader on and off the field. After college, he was a Navy officer, served at Guantanamo Bay, and in Iraq as legal advisor to SEAL Team 1 during the deadliest year of the war, 2007. He ensured that the missions were legally conducted and captured detainees were treated humanely. He was awarded the Bronze Star Medal for meritorious service. His boss... Navy Captain Dane Thorlifson, who commanded the SEAL Special Operations Task Force West in Fallujah, said of him, he was super smart, articulate, resourceful, and a positive part of our staff. I relied on him heavily. He then became a federal prosecutor, special assistant in the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Middle Middle District of Florida. That is all before his highly successful tenures now as governor of Florida, 
where whatever you think of him, DeSantis has indisputably proven himself to be a bold, fearless, combative, and determined leader, earning him high approval ratings and the kind of national media attention that potential presidents get. That's why Republican billionaires are lining up to back him, enabling DeSantis to build up a staggering $124 million for his 2022 gubernatorial campaign war chest, twice what he needed to win in 2018, and that's why he's now Trump's worst nightmare. The two men have publicly supported each other for years, writes Morgan. But I confidently predict this mutual admiration society is about to hit the buffers big time. For if there's one thing Trump cannot stomach more than people who don't buy into his rigged election, BS, as Morgan calls it, it's people who might threaten his chances of returning to the White House in 2024, and Ron DeSantis is that person. He isn't just 35 years younger than Trump. He's more eloquent, focused, and organized, going about his business with military-style planning. He's also more serious, which is a good thing. As he show, But as he showed with his, I welcome support from African Americans quip after Elon Musk said he was leaning towards supporting him, he can also do charm and smart humor when he needs to. DeSantis may be Trumpian when it comes to policy, agreeing with him on most issues, which will please the MAGA crowd, but he comes without all the January 6th baggage and wildly erratic and polarizing personality. As Bill Maher put it, you know what Ron DeSantis won't be doing? He won't be poop-tweeting every day. It won't be like having feuds with Bette Midler on Twitter. He's not an insane person. So by almost any political metric you choose, writes Piers Morgan... This guy's a far better option for leading the Republicans into 2024 election than Donald Trump, and many party activists agree, which is why he's come ahead of Trump as a preferred candidate in recent polls of Republican voters in Colorado and in Wisconsin. He's just younger, fresher, and more exciting than the aging, raging gorilla who's become a whiny democracy-defying bore. And if DeSantis does win the nomination, I think he'll destroy the beleaguered Joe Biden or any other Democrat, for that matter, to win the presidency. But don't take my word for his credentials. Take Trump's. In 2017, when he was president and DeSantis was running for governor, he tweeted, quote, Ron DeSantis is a brilliant young leader, Yale and Harvard Law, who would make a great governor of Florida. He loves our country and is a true fighter. He is, as Trump is about to find out. The game's up for Donald, who opened his political career strong, but who's now died. It's time Republicans put their faith in the Ronald. Now, that's part one of my story here. Piers Morgan making the case for Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump in two years. Part two of the story is, how does Donald Trump feel about that? From The Hill, an article also from this morning. Former President Donald Trump is speaking out about the idea of Ron DeSantis running against him in a primary for 2024. This is the Hill writing. Former President Donald Trump isn't sure if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will run for the GOP presidential nomination in 2024, but he says he's confident that if he does, he will beat him. Quote, I don't know if Ron is running, and I don't ask. It's his prerogative. I think I would win, end quote. This is not the first time Trump has fired a warning shot at DeSantis, the former congressman who has risen to prominence among Republicans in recent years, as he used his perch in Florida's governor's mansion to pursue a laundry list of ultra-conservative policies. Trump has repeatedly teased a 2024 presidential bid since leaving the White House. In his interview with The New Yorker, 
He said he was very close to making a decision on another campaign. Still, DeSantis's own potential political ambitions have irked Trump, who endorsed him during his 2018 gubernatorial bid and believes he is responsible for DeSantis's uh, political success. Trump has downplayed the notion of any tension between himself and DeSantis, telling the New Yorker that he and the Florida governor have a very good relationship. For his part, DeSantis has brushed off any suggestion that he will mount a campaign for the White House, insisting he's focused only on his work in the governor's mansion and winning re-election this year. That hasn't stopped chatter about his political future, however, and while early polling shows Trump is the favorite to win in 2024, DeSantis often runs in second place, and in the event that Trump doesn't run again, polling suggests DeSantis would supplant him as the frontrunner. So Trump says, if he comes for me, I will win. Piers Morgan and many others, including billionaires throwing a ton of money at Ron DeSantis, Republican billionaires, they say they're done with Donald Trump. And it's time to move on to the younger, more energetic, and similarly MAGA-positioned Ron DeSantis. So I say we bring it to the radio. This is the 20th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord in 2022. Decisions on running for president and running for the Republican nomination would take place roughly a year from now. Right? In the summer of 2023, the decisions will be made. Announcements will be made. Campaigns will be begun. Will be begun, rather. Throughout the summer and the fall of 20... Because remember, it was in June, I believe, that Donald Trump descended the staircase uh, when he ran in 2016, but that would have been the summer of 2015. So we're a year away. That's not very far. We're a year away from announcements being made and decisions being made. So my question to you, are you Team Trump? Or is it time to replace the Donald with the Ronald? Let's bring it to you. We'll do a little survey. Don't just call and give me your pick. Give me your reasons why. Is it time to move on from President Trump? Thanking him for all of his heroism during the most tumultuous term any president has ever had to deal with? Two impeachments, an investigate a Mueller investigation, uh, right from the start after being spied upon by the FBI, using phony documentation to justify it, and yet cranking out some of the most amazing results we have seen. Is it time to move on? Is there too much baggage from January sixth? Is there too much baggage from the mean tweets? from the personality that drives the left so crazy to the point where they will do anything, including rig an election, to stop him. Is it time to move on, or is it time to rally behind Donald Trump to give him one more run? I just laid it out for you. I gave you some pros and some cons, some pluses and some minuses. I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. DeSantis or Trump? We're one year away from announcements being made and campaigns being begun as they steam toward the primaries, which would be, of course, in the spring of 24. I want to hear from you. Always Ray Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty six. Always Ray Radio. Online at alwayswrite.us, on air on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Let's go to the phones. We're going to talk to uh, Nancy, who is in Cleveland. Nancy, President Trump did a phenomenal job, but has his time passed? Is it time to pass the baton, if you will, to Ron DeSantis to run forward? What say you? Uh, no, because Trump is more seasoned, he's more experienced, and he needs to finish the fight before we switch over to another candidate. Remember, Trump was getting it from all 50 states. He has international experience. People of the uh, Communist Party couldn't tell which way, and they respected that. And, and I need, I think we all need somebody who is, is tough. We don't care if he's egotistic. He can take it. And I don't think Ron is seasoned enough yet or has that international experience like Trump. So I would like him in there one more time to finish it. And I think he'll get the program on the way for us to help steer the ship. And then Ron can come in after that and continue on. Nancy, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate your opinion on that. Let's go to Nebraska. Unless there's a city named Nebraska in Ohio that I'm not aware of, I guess we're uh, going uh, out of state lines now. Dan in Nebraska, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Dan. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm your biggest fan in Nebraska. Well, God uh, bless you, my friend. Thank I, uh, you for calling. <laughs> the litmus test for me is the same one. I didn't know who Trump was when he ran the first time. I don't own a television. So when I found out who hated him, I knew who to vote for. Same <laughs> litmus test. There is zero possibility for the left to hate anybody or fear anybody more than they do Trump. I think we need just. I'm so angry about the vote and the way it turned out that the other litmus test, I, in my opinion, the number one issue is still voter integrity, and without I, all these other issues are critical: the border, et cetera, economy. But if we cannot vote with confidence, we're done. Well, you're not wrong at all, Dan. And and I thank you for the call and being my number one fan in Nebraska. God bless you. I hope you call back again. I love that. That's the nice thing about doing some national shows like I do uh, for for the Salem, uh, uh, you know, syndicated network. Is I get some people from around the state who may tune in or around the country rather who may tune in here. So I appreciate that, Dan. And and I I don't disagree. Um, Voter integrity is enormous. It's extraordinarily important. It decides everything. A very famous man once said, it's not about who gets the most votes, it's who counts those votes, because that changes everything. So you're not wrong about that. Let me go to Cleveland Heights and Roger. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Roger, President Trump for another run, or is it time for new blood? Well, I agree with your first caller. It stole half my thunder. And what I wanted to present was I adopt everything that she said um, because I believe that Trump does uh, deserve uh, another shot at this. What I wanted to present, though, is what about the two running together, DeSantis and Trump on the same ticket? Why is would DeSantis fear that he would destroy his uh, his own brand, um, but if you could help me think that through. I, I don't think either one of them I mean, would do it. Ne- neither one. Roger, here's my thought on that to help you think that through. President Trump knows how popular DeSantis is, and President Trump, if nothing, if anything, he is uh, he is very, very proud. He's You may say egotistical. You may say narcissistic. He likes being the number one guy. He wants everybody else to kind of be in the background. Uh, Ron DeSantis is a superstar. I don't think he would want to be outshined on his own ticket by somebody like Ron DeSantis. And from DeSantis' standpoint, 
You're right. Uh, he would be fearful of being lumped in with any of the negative baggage that President Trump has. First of all, DeSantis has not been loud about, hey, I think the election was rigged and Trump was robbed. President Trump would demand that he say such things because look at the comparison between him and his last vice president. Uh, you know, a huge critic, critic of Mike, uh, Mike Pence for not doing what he thinks should have been done. So DeSantis would have to get on the bended knee and, and pledge fealty to Trump. And DeSantis is not going to do that when he's got such a bright political future in front of him. It's uh, Trump could salvage, you know, it, my think, thinking was anyway that Trump could salvage this uh, last run if he uh, ate some crow and uh, became a little more humble. I guess that is probably out of the question. Yeah, and, and, I, and you know, he's 78 years old, or I think, it, or no, I'm sorry, 75 years old. I think he'll be 77 or 78 when this next election happens. And I just, you know, it's an old cliche to say, old dog new tricks but i think president trump is what he is always going to be and i don't see him uh finding humility enough to try to make that happen uh, at his age yeah uh, roger thank you god bless you appreciate the call we'll take more of those coming up after the news am 1420 the answer You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us again. If you started with us at 9 a.m., thank you. If you just turned me on for the first time today, thank you. If you've been a devoted listener for the last seven-plus years, thank you. If you just now found me, thank you. Appreciate you being with us for however long you stay. We try to bring you enough information, analysis, entertainment, to keep you here. Uh, and uh, let me know how I'm doing. Seriously, go to my webpage. You can contact me there at alwaysrate.us. There's an email uh, address there. Find me there. Leave a message for me on the sound off page. I would very much love to hear from you. Thank you so very much. I've been doing this for a very long time. But I, uh, uh, I always welcome new listeners. I always welcome people who have never heard of me before. And I hope we keep you around. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. By the way, I want to say happy Juneteenth. And uh, commemorate its uh, celebration in Washington, D.C. last night as mobs of African Americans uh, attacked cars, attacked people, jumped up and down on people's vehicles, terrifying them, smashed things. And, of course, there had to be a shooting in Washington, D.C. during the Juneteenth celebration as well. So, uh, So there's that. You know, the... Just the brief mention of the federal holiday Juneteenth, of course... 
it's uh, it's a pretty remarkable thing to think about that there is a portion of Texas where word had not gotten to the slaves there that the Emancipation Proclamation had been delivered two years prior and that the Civil War had ended and that the uh, 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 slavery had been completely abolished uh, a couple of months before it. They got word after everybody else, and it's really an amazing thing. I think the federal holiday, if there was going to be one, should have been on the date that President Lincoln signed and delivered the Emancipation Proclamation or the day that slavery actually ended and the Civil War ended. I don't know why it's a celebration of this particular thing, but um, I can tell you this, not one, not one in my belief, I can't prove this, but not one of those who fought to end slavery, including slaves and former slaves themselves during that time, would approve of celebrating the recognition of same this with this Juneteenth holiday, would approve of what was done and what is done on the streets uh, in, in celebration of that last night. If that's how you celebrate the end of something terrible, um, then by doing more terrible things, then I don't understand. There's an element to this that I just cannot get through my thick skull. And I'll leave it at that. But it's horrible. The videos are terrible. I just tweeted a video that you need to see from D.C. last night. And I'm sorry, I didn't tweet it. I don't tweet. I'm not on Twitter. I I shared something on Truth Social that originated on Twitter. Truth Social is where I have my uh, my social media account right now. Uh, and you can find me there at uh, Always Right. Always Right WHK. Always Right WHK on Truth Social. So now, having said that, I do have to monitor Twitter, even though I don't participate anymore for about three years now. And there's a poll on Twitter that was conducted by Ashley St. Clair. You said, who's she? Well, she's a senior culture editor, uh, a contributor, rather, at the Post Millennial. And the Post Millennial is a terrific, terrific news organization. She's enormously popular. She has 434,000 followers. That's pretty significant. So she did a poll over the weekend. It's got eight hours left on it. But this is where it stands. The question was, if you had to vote today, would you, who would you choose for president? Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? 44,734 votes in. It's a landslide for DeSantis. 44,734 votes in. Now, this is, of course, not scientific. Just take it as a snapshot of this is what somebody asked on Twitter. And it's a popular conservative voice on Twitter, followed by primarily conservative followers, over 400 and some odd thousand of them. 44,734 of them voted, and it's 63.4% for DeSantis, 36.6%, so just shy of double for President Trump. Now, I just started bringing this survey conversation to the radio last segment and the first three people who called said Trump Um, I want to add something to this before I go to the next calls though what I asked and what those people have answered is who they want and and perhaps I think in the first uh, response I got which was echoed by the third who said uh, some thunder was stolen there um, it's what's deserved President Trump did so much during his time, he deserves another term. And that's fine. If that's your your opinion, got it. Good. 
But I want to add this element to it. When I say, who would you prefer and why, and you say Trump because he deserves to have his second term, first one was stolen from him, blah, blah, blah. The element that you have to add into it is who can win. Now, my, my reason for adding that is, is something that I believe it was the second caller last segment who said um, something to the effect of the Democrats hate this man like no other. And he said, that's how I knew who to vote for and support is look at who they oppose the most. And that's why I support Trump. I get that, too. And in fact, I kind of feel that way, too. With the caveat being, if they hate him as much as they do, there is nothing they will not do to stop him, including cheating, rigging elections, which they did. There's no question in my mind. I saw twenty uh, or uh, uh, 2,000 mules. Um, there's no question that they will do anything inside or outside the bounds of the law or the Constitution to keep that man out. That's number one. Number two, consider this before you make your answer. If the far right is going to always vote for the conservative candidate and the far left is always going to vote for the the Democrat candidate, the elections are decided by the people in the middle. Can Donald Trump pull enough of the people in the middle the second time around? Can Donald Trump switch some of those people in the middle who vote for the Democrat? over to him or does because they're not MAGA people they're not you know if you're not you know if you're not full-on or like what, what does Biden like to call us now ultra MAGA or MAGA I like to say MAGA these are people who are not red hat wearers but they're just they're independent voters they're they're independent minded they're centrist they lean right sometimes they lean left sometimes right on some issues can they be pulled over to Donald Trump's side given all of the baggage of January 6th and the show trial that they're doing right now uh, with this January 6th committee, uh, with the mean tweets, with the personality disorder. Well, that's not stated properly. That's a that's a psychological and psychiatric conclusion. I don't mean a personality disorder. I mean a personality that's aggressive and abrasive as President Trump's is. Things that you like and I like, but will the people in the middle like? Or does it need to be the same MAGA policies packaged in a slicker speaker, uh, somebody who has some wit but isn't going to be as hyper um, offensive, I guess, to the sensibilities of some in the center, somebody like DeSantis. So that's what I want you to do. And if your answer is still yes, Trump, because of the reasons I like him, and, and it's also yes, because I think he can win, and I think all of those things that I just pointed out can be overcome because of A, B, C, D, give me them. Give me them now, A, B, C, N, D. (laughs) Give them all to me. Or if you think it's DeSantis, tell me why. Is it the thing that I just lined up, lined up, uh, laid out rather? Forty-four thousand seven hundred people in a Twitter survey on a conservative uh, Twitter feed said DeSantis by almost two to one. What say you? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll go next to uh, Strongsville. Tracy, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Who do you like now? We're a we're a year. I brought this up before. We're a year away from really the campaign starting for 2024. Things will be announced and launched in the summer of 2023. So that's one year from now. Sitting where we are now, Tracy. Who you got? Tracy, are you there? Do we have Tracy yeah. or not? Right, no, now I'm I can. here. Can you hear me, Bob? Yep, now I can. Sorry, don't know what happened, but we got you. 
No, no, it's okay. Um, I was going to say DeSantis. Obviously, I would vote for Trump because I'm going to vote for you know my party and the people I love. I think that Trump hold the curtain back, but it's time for him to continue doing what he's doing and support and endorse candidates. I think DeSantis gets a message across um, much better. He resonates with the middle and independence, which we definitely need to have to win. And I don't think they have anything on him or what it came out by now. Um, <laughs> I think that I think that scares the left more than anything. If DeSantis runs, I think it scares them more than Trump because I think what's, they have so much divisiveness to use against Trump. Um, it work and it works. I mean, he, he I, I love the guy, but he has a tendency to turn some people off. And with DeSantis, I think that he could pull a much broader uh, demographic of people. Well, you make a very good point, Tracy. And like you, I would not only vote for Trump, I would campaign for him vigorously if he is our nominee again uh, on the radio. I will use everything I can to try to support him. There's no question about it. But you make some very good points. He does have a lot more, or let me rephrase, they have a lot more on him, as you say, than they do on DeSantis. So when it comes to the negative part of the political campaign, they're going to point to January 6th, no matter what happens with this hearing. They're going to say he did these things and he's responsible, and they're going to and they're going to point to a host of other issues uh, that they believe will resonate and did the first time around or rather the second time around but the battle with biden so um well, desantis doesn't have those right now they'll probably be digging they'll, they'll be digging they'll try to find something but you're right president trump's are kind of well out the there. other the other part of that for me is that uh if, this, if they say something negative about desantis and they have obviously because they terrify he terrifies them he comes back in such a way, it, it zings him, but it's with such a different tone than Trump has. It's not as divisive. And so they really can't point to it and go, oh, look at the mean things he says. He comes back, he disses them in such an eloquent way, it actually, I think, draws people to like him even more. Yeah, well, he, you know what he brings to it, and thank you for the call, Tracy. He, he brings a little humor when he responds to the attacks. He brings a little humor, a little charm, a little kind of a smirk, a little bit of a smile, rather than the angry, you are fake news, and the kind of stuff that, again, I love, ultra-maga people love from Trump, but moderates don't. Moderates and Republicans who are, you know, a little bit more genteel don't. And so the question is, is, again, how do you pull in the most number of votes, the biggest number of conservative or Republican votes, and, of course, those centrists? Um, Cleveland next. Wayne, thanks for waiting, Wayne. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. How you doing? I, um, I've been struggling with this question, and I believe right now I would go with DeSantis. I love Trump. I voted for him in 16 and 20. Mm-hmm. But I think, unfortunately, we got some generational issues. We're going to have more millennials and more of the nicer people wanting in the in the voting population and DeSantis style and clarity. I also like that I think he's a better teacher than President Trump. President Trump is right on on his agenda and his policies, but he doesn't teach as well as I think DeSantis does. And for that reason, I think today I would vote for DeSantis. Either way, I would support either one of them. And the only other thing I wanted to say is constitutionally, you cannot have two people from the same state as president and vice president. I'm in the car. Otherwise, I'd tell you where in the Constitution you can find it. But I've read it for 15 years. I would read the Constitution. And I recall you cannot have two people from the same state on the same state. 
Yeah, and I and I don't think the Constitution would be what precludes that. They would preclude that. I don't think either one of them would want to have that ticket yeah, together. I agree. They're going to compete in that primary. I doubt very seriously either one of them would want the other to team up with them. But great information, Wayne. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, Bob is in Medina next. Hi, Bob. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah, hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. My Hello? pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, Go okay. ahead, sir. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Yeah, I just got you off speakerphone. Didn't know. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, my vote would have uh, definitely be for DeSantis. Uh, Trump, I'm much of a supporter for him. I th- you think he did good things, but I think his problem was, and you and I talked this before, <laughs> is his lack of knowledge of who to pick people around him and when he started off with Jeff Sessions and and you know we could go down a list just a lack of you know is it, even his VP as much as I like Pence you need we're at a time of war you know and we need to you know you know have warriors fighting for us and I think Trump's ego will not allow anybody to upstage him and that's including the, uh, uh, you know, just anybody for the most part. Even Barr turned out to be, you know, pretty much anti-Trump at the end when this January 6th debacle, you know, or whatever came up. And, yeah, yeah I, I, and DeSantis, the main reason why I like him is my brother lives down in Florida, and he does not like DeSantis, so I know that DeSantis is the right choice. You, know? <laughs> you, got, you got a leftist brother, do you? Oh, left his brother and sister, and it's just like, Bob, you, you can't do that. I mean, the truth is right there, but uh, I come to the conclusion, based on what Rush said in the past, once, you know, you're not going to ever convince people, you know, if you're on the right or on the left. They're, and this is shown by my own brothers and sisters, you know, and uh, it's terrible. You know, I, I feel like I'm the only conservative in my family, you know, but hey, you know, well. so, you know, I'll continue to do that. But DeSantis' background, which you described, never knew about his military background, cool head, and, and, and the guy is brave. He, he, you know, like you said, he'll he'll stand up against the left, you know, and he'll do it in a humorous way, not in a bombastic way. And right now we don't need bombastic. What we need is somebody who knows the truth, the Constitution, Constitution, and has the guts enough to protect it. And with that, well, I'll let you go, Bob. You thank make you. Thank you for the call. You make some really good points on the... Um, President Trump likes to talk about his gut instinct on people. And I, I think some of that is a little bit misguided and overstated because when you talk about the appointments that he made, you're right. The original Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, was a disaster. His original pick for Attorney General Jeff Sessions was a disaster. His original pick for Secretary of Defense, even though many of us cheered Mad Dog Mattis, was a disaster. His original pick for uh, uh, for even his press secretary, Sean Spicer, was a disaster. He was rescued there by uh, uh, by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and then of course by uh, uh, Kayleigh McEnany. Uh, but there were so many of the picks that he made, um, and and even as it comes down to it now, you know, um, his vice president turned out to be a disaster. That's not to throw all the stones at Mike Pence, but just the way things ended, it was the bad, it was the wrong call. Now, were the, were they terrible calls from the beginning? Cause Trump is a bad judge of character and a judge of ability? Or were they the right people, 
but they just couldn't get along with Trump because of his personality, and anybody or everybody is going to have a problem. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I just know that there were some really, really wrong people in some wrong places, and President Trump is going to have to get a lot better at that the second time around if he's to be successful. Um, you know, and we have no idea how Ron DeSantis would handle that, but it's a fair criticism you bring. All right, first three callers all said Trump all the way. Last three callers all said DeSantis all the way. We're one year away from declarations being made and campaigns being started in the summer of 2023 for the election of 2024. Sitting where we are now one year away, what camp are you in? Trump? DeSantis? Or maybe a third we haven't named? 216-901-0945. We'll pick them up after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob Prance on The Answer. It is 1137, final segment of the broadcast for today. Still just kind of moving some things around, processing some things about uh, where we are one year away, roughly, from uh, the start of the 2024 presidential campaigns. Announcements are usually made in the summertime, like President Trump's was. uh, Candidates are, or excuse me, campaigns are begun. Fundraising is already underway. Um, So a year from now, we'll be making decisions in the primary, at least beginning that process of making decisions. So we're just asking right now, President Trump has still been, according to the straw polls at CPAC and other places like that, the overwhelming favorite uh, to be the nominee again. But the popularity of Ron DeSantis cannot be denied. It's extraordinary, the rise, because he has just done things to fly in the face of the Biden administration and the woke culture that, that nobody has done. And he's done it in a way that has just been completely unapologetic, but also not brazenly offensive and not sticking it in the faces and in the noses of those, you know, the woke masses, um, so that he doesn't generate the kind of hatred and animosity that President Trump was, was so, uh, or has. So maybe that's, maybe that's the key. So we're just asking right now, if you had to choose between the two, President Trump was asked that very question. And he said, if I decide to run, I know I would beat Ron DeSantis. Um, some other people disagree. Piers Morgan wrote a great piece, or a long piece, rather, a big piece, in the uh, the uh, New York Post, saying that it's time to move on from the Donald and on to the Ronald right now, if you're a conservative in the United States of America. Uh, Joanne is in Twinsburg. Let's see what Joanne has to say about this. Joanne, go ahead. You're on the air. Well, I mean, I, I realize his age. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then at his age. But I do think, you know, for no other reason, to stick it to the left and show them what we think of their January 6th investigation and all this other stuff, we ought to, we ought to put him in. And let's face it, if Trump got in for four years and they knew to shut up because nobody believes them, he could get a lot done. And why can't DeSantis continue on for eight more years? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, well, and I truly don't think DeSantis will run if Trump runs. I really oh, don't. I don't think I agree with that. Now, he's young enough 
that he could Absolutely. wait until 2028. There's no doubt about sure. that. But I don't know if he'll ever be as popular as he is right now for just jamming it in the face of Fauci and all of the COVID lockdown yeah, people. Yeah, but if he keeps and doing what Disney he's doing, he'll and, stay popular, I think. Yeah, uh, but but here's the thing. So while you say, you know, we should just stick it to him by, by, by <laughs> you know, putting Trump back in there, I don't disagree with that uh, necessarily, but I'm asking can we can we get him back in there again knowing that the centrist crowd is a big big part of the equation yeah i think people are hurting so bad right now and are thinking about how good they had it and if this continues trump looks like a dream world i mean let's face it i mean well well well, i mean if 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 yeah you're right and and of course we could very easily just say and thank you for the call I appreciate it very much uh, we could just say no matter who the Republicans run it's a dream world compared to what Biden has done to this country and we should be able to win easily but I don't think that's going to be the case if we inspire them uh, so much by 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 throwing President Trump up there um, who inspires them to do things that they've never done before that's overstated. They've cheated in the past. I shouldn't say never done before, but never to the level they did in the 2020 presidential election because it was so important to them to stop the bad orange man. That's just the that's the difference. Will they fight as hard and as dirty and as deceptive to stop a DeSantis or a Tom Cotton or somebody else the way they would to stop orange man bad from coming back in and doing it all over again? That's the that's the part I'm talking about. Thank you. Uh, really, really appreciate the phone call. Let me get to uh, Maggie next, who's calling from Alliance. Hi, Maggie. Go ahead. Hello, Bob. Um, this is a very hard question because I certainly like Trump and want him, but I think I will have to go with DeSantis. And the reason being that I that Republican establishment is so much against Trump that I think they will actually work actually against him. And I think the only vindication rescue really for Trump is that in regards to that ludicrous January 6th committee, I think the Republicans have to take over this next Congress and demonstrate you know, the fact of these lies uh, that they're, they're perpetuating. But if Trump is the one that's running that, is, that establishment, Republicans, I think they actually will walk slowly. They won't really do much about correcting that kind of a wrong. And I think they would rather um, have a tarnished you know, Trump who actually needs them than to really try to vindicate him. You know, you make in a, a very, very astute point here, an observation here. Um, I'm talking about how the left would would battle like never before to try to stop Orange Man Bad from coming in, but I, I, I kind of neglected to point out the right, or at least the pseudo-right, the Rhino Republicans, the established Republicans, because you're right, there is a significant number of them, a percentage of them, that do not want the party of uh, the Republican Party to be the party of Trump. They don't want to be associated with January 6th. They don't want to be associated with any of the sordidness <clears throat> that comes with the Trump brand, and they're right. willing... They may be willing to undercut him uh, rather than, than actually have to live with and support him for four more years and have to be tied to whatever it is that he does and says. So th- that establishment that, he, that, is, that is decidedly anti-Trump might also uh, actually undercut the Republican chances of winning the White House. That's right. a very fair, very fair point. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that, Maggie. Uh, we're out of time. I can't take more. The music is playing, so I want to say thank you to everybody who did call. We'll continue this conversation. And by the way, I just got a text message from a friend who said, neither Mike Pompeo. And I got to tell you, I love me some Mike Pompeo, too. 
I really do. I loved him in Congress. I loved him as Secretary of State. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal leader and conservative, and I would love that, too. So uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting development a year from now when we see who makes the announcement to run. Thanks to everybody for listening today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Marianne. Thanks to Marcy. Thanks to my guest, Congressman Jim Jordan. Peter Kirsten now with us tomorrow. Party time tomorrow afternoon, too. We'll see you then. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.